Hey, what's up, guys? We are so excited that you're joining us today. If you're a part of our Grace community, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you on social media at the Grace AG on all social outlets. But the best way to connect is to join our online community at live.graceassembly.org. Here, you can connect and engage with other Grace members around the world. So, we hope today's message encourages and challenges you. Let's jump right in. Does anybody uh, wish, do you wish that you were more happy uh, than you were, right? Does anybody want to be more happier than you are right now? I'm raising my hand. You know, you may come in and maybe the fire department's been at your house. I don't know. Maybe some other stuff's been going on in your life, but we're on a journey on the road to happiness, and so uh, we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount and specifically the eight statements of Jesus called the Beatitudes that all begin with the word blessed. And that word blessed literally means blissful or happy. So God gives us direction on the road to happiness. So uh, we are studying this Sermon on the Mount and we started last week with blessed are the poor in spirit for they shall see Uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so today, we're gonna pick up number two here where Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. So the title of today's message is those who mourn are happy. It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Uh, Remember, all of the Beatitudes that Jesus gave are paradoxical, and and a paradox is a statement that seems to contradict itself, and so of all of these statements that Jesus makes in the Beatitude, I think this one is the most paradoxical or the most opposite, because it's almost like Jesus saying is, happy are the sad. That doesn't make sense. At all, a lot of you know what an oxymoron is, right? It's, it's two words that seem to contradict each other, like jumbo shrimp. Uh, how about vegetarian meatballs? Doesn't make much sense at all. Does anybody know this one? Pretty, pretty ugly. Okay, a smart crowd. And all of you uh, uh, Mac users will love this one. Microsoft works. That was for you. Thank you, Jeff, for that right there. How about French resistance? Freezer burn, and my favorite one of all time, head butt. Come on, are you with me today? I'm giving you all my best stuff right up here at the beginning, okay? Now, we have to be careful when we're studying the Bible that we make sure that we don't just take one line of scripture and say, whom I wonder what that means, and then just kind of make up stuff. Let me take a minute and remind you that the most important rule of Bible study is that Scripture interprets Scripture. So what we mean is that the Bible interprets itself. Rather than me trying to figure out and trying to guess what the Bible means, uh, we need to understand that the Bible interprets itself. Now, I'm going to show you a picture, and and hopefully we can get a real close-up to this on the screen. Uh, This is a chart of all the times that the Bible is referring to itself. So this would be Genesis over here. This would be Revelation over here. And all of these lines refer to the way they connect or refer to one another. Old Testament refers to the New Testament. are, Are you following this? So the Bible is one story. 
It's the story of God's redemption of mankind, right? And so this is a picture so of, of how the Bible interprets itself. So we've got to learn to ask the question, if there, especially if there's a verse or, or a phrase that I don't understand, we've got to learn to ask the question, what else does the Bible say about this? Are, are you with me today? Uh, so uh, that's one reason that we are providing these journals for you. We gave this to you last week. I hope you'll bring it every week during this eight-week series. Uh, and the reason we give this to you is so that you can take notes and you can write down certain things. There are also additional scriptures for you to study and look at uh, about this series and about these particular verses because there's a lot the Bible has to say when he said, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Because most of the time, when we think of the word mourn, we think of somebody mourning or grieving or the feeling that we have when someone we love dies. So if we were just to read that, just, uh, you know, if we just opened our Bible and read that, we'd say, well, he's talking about, you know, the feeling we have when someone dies. But there are nine Greek words in the New Testament for mourn or mourning. And so the word for mourning here in Matthew does not refer to the kind of mourning that you have when someone dies. He's referring to the mourning that we should have over sin. Now, again, we see this in another translation of the same verse, Matthew 5, verse 4, in the Amplified. He says, bless, what's another word for blessed? Happy. Uh, are those who mourn over their sins and repent. Do you get this? So if we're going to understand what Jesus is saying, happy are those who are mourning, he says, blessed are those who mourn over their sin. And of course, this perfectly follows with last week's message, the first statement of the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit, because when we come to terms with the fact that I am spiritually bankrupt before the Lord, uh, then I realize that, that my next step is mourning over that sin that has separated me from God. Okay, follow along with me. You may have to lean in a little bit more. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said years ago that the Beatitudes are like a ladder. And so think of the Beatitudes because the order that the Beatitudes are given is important. There's nothing random about it. So the first one is blessed are the poor in spirit, so we recognize our spiritual poverty. But then after that, we mourn over our sin. And then we keep going up the ladder, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger, blessed are the merciful. Do you see this? So it's a step. So the first rung on the ladder is blessed are the poor in spirit. And when I get that, the next rung is blessed are those who mourn over their sin. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go a little deep here today, so I'm going to need you to sit up in your chair, lean forward, and be ready to take some notes. Thank you for that water that just appeared out of nowhere. <laughs> Praise God. My prayer was answered before I even asked it. So... What else does the Bible say about mourning over sin? So if we're going to understand this, we go back to that chart. What else does the Bible say about mourning over sin? Well, we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Remember, the Apostle Paul wrote two letters to the church in Corinth in the New Testament times. 
And in the first letter, he writes about this issue. Uh, He's talking about mourning over sin. Watch this. He says, it's actually reported that there's sexual immorality among you. A man is sleeping with his father's wife, and you're proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning? That's the same Greek word as Jesus used in Matthew 5, verse 4, blessed are they who mourn, right? So so Paul is saying, you haven't mourned. You haven't grieved over this situation as if someone died, right? And then he tells them to exercise church discipline. He says, you put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this. And he tells them that the reason that you exercise church discipline is to restore them back to faith and back to the church. Hang with me. Because then we go to the second letter that Paul writes to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and he says later, after the mourning over sin, after the church discipline, he says, now I rejoice. Not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to what? Repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner. Let me pause right there and say, I think that's a great definition of mourning over sin. Got made sorrow in a godly manner, or godly sorrow, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. Uh, help us, Jesus. I'm going to read it. Maybe they can uh, follow up with me. Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse nine through eleven. He says, "Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance." For you were made sorrow, sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. Now listen closely. For godly sorrow produces r- repentance. There it is. Water appears out of nowhere and screens appear. Godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Observe this that you sorrowed in a godly manner, you mourned over sin, and what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. He says, hey, because you mourned over your sin, look at what he did. Look at these good things that happened uh, in this person's life and in your church because you did it the right way. Because you were made sorry in a godly manner. In other words, you mourned over your sin and now you are comforted. Hang with me. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. But can I tell you that there is no comfort unless there is first mourning. Write this down in your notes, in your booklet there. Godly sorrow produces repentance. Godly sorrow produces repentance. So we could say in Matthew 5 verse 4 this way, blessed are those who have godly sorrow over their sin, for they will be comforted. The result of us mourning over our sin and the reason that we are blessed when we do that is because the Bible says the result of that is repentance. Now, repentance means a change of mind, heart, and actions. 
uh, I think a lot of us don't recognize that if we're going to truly change our lives, we've got to change the way that we think. How many know you're never going to change your behavior until you change your thoughts? Those of you that just took the first step in following Jesus last week or recently, let me encourage you that one of the very first challenges of your life is to align your thinking with God's thinking. You've got, that's why we read the Bible, right? Because I don't want to line up my thinking with the way everyone else thinks. I want to line up my thinking with the way that God thinks. And that produces change in my life. Is it okay to be a little bit excited about this? Because I realize that if I start thinking this way, it's going to cause repentance in my life. And, and, and over the years, people have come to me and they say, well, pastor, I just want to change. And, you know, I want this area of my life to change. And there's this area in my life that I'm in bondage to. And I just do it over and over again. I confessed it and, and, and I read the Bible, but I just can't seem to change. The Bible says godly sorrow leads to that change. Is it possible that we haven't changed because we haven't had godly sorrow. Is it possible that we're not happy because we haven't mourned over our sin? Is it also possible that the degree of joy we experience is proportionate to the degree of grief or the degree in which we mourn over sin? Think about, think about somebody you love that has died. And think about how much joy there will be when you see them again in heaven. I know some of us think about that a lot. That family member, that loved one that has died and passed away. How much joy is there gonna be when you see them again in heaven? Do you know why your joy will be great? Because your sorrow was great. Are you getting this? That's why we're going to have joy. And your comfort in heaven is going to be awesome. And one of the reasons is because of the mourning that you experience in this world. What Jesus is saying here in Matthew 5 is that we could really experience the joy of our salvation if we simply took the time to mourn over our sin. Not just be sorry for our sin, but mourn as if someone died. We want to skip this part. We don't like to talk about this part in church because we're going to make people feel bad. But the reality is, if we skip this part, we are robbing people of the joy of the Lord in their life. Because if we don't understand that mourning, if we don't mourn over sin, there will be no joy in our salvation. Come on, somebody. That's the truth of God's word. Now, uh, again, back to the chosen. One of my favorite scenes uh, in season three is episode three when Jesus goes to the temple and in his, own his hometown, he reveals himself to be the Messiah. And the way he reveals himself to be the Messiah is because he reads uh, in the synagogue, he takes that scroll in his hand and he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. 
And when he stood up to read these verses, he was reading Isaiah 61. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Watch what he says. To comfort all who mourn. Same word. Mourn. And to provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. I want you to notice that comfort and mourning are all part of what Jesus is saying comes with the spirit of the Lord. I'm gonna slow down a little bit because this is the main point of the message. I want you to notice the relationship with the spirit of the Lord and mourning and comfort. Which comes first? Mourning over sin, then the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Pay, pay attention. What's another word, another name for the Holy Spirit? The comforter. Blessed are those who mourn over their sin, for they shall be comforted by the comforter. Listen, the comforter comes after the morning. Let me say it to you another way. The Holy Spirit is attracted to repentance. I know it's early. I know some of the lights aren't working. It probably still smells a little like smoke in here, but I really want you to get this. Because the Holy Spirit is attracted to repentance. Think about this. Earlier this year, uh, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Asbury University in Kentucky. How many of you heard about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Asbury, Kentucky? And it was an amazing thing that happened because this chapel service turns into uh, services that went 24-7 for a long, long time. Uh, they estimated that the crowds who gathered were 15,000 people a day. And by the end of the outpouring, 50 to 70,000 visitors had come to Wilmore, Kentucky. And by the way, most of them were Generation Z. And the services were marked by a spirit of repentance and a spirit of joy. Watch this. According to an interview with the student body president who was there on the day the revival began, he said the speaker was speaking about personal holiness. And it was near the end of the chapel service that a fellow student decided to openly confess some of his sins to the small group that had remained in the altar. His exact words were, and then the atmosphere changed. Somebody get this. Somebody get this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. When we mourn over our sin, the Holy Spirit shows up. When we take the time to mourn over our sin, that's the key to revival in our lives. Repentance attracts the comforter. Uh, let, me, let me show it to you another way. Um, the word for comfort here is perkaleo, and the, it, it, it sounds a lot like uh, the word for the Holy Spirit, parakletos. Right? So these are the original words. So this parakletos is the Holy Spirit, also known as the 
comforter. And the word parakletos means that, that the one who comes alongside with comfort. What Jesus is saying here in Matthew 5, blessed are those who mourn over their sin because the Holy Spirit's going to come alongside them. If you want revival in your life, if you want revival in our church, you want revival in the United States of America, and how many know, I don't know that we're going to survive without it. I said, I don't know that we're going to survive without a move of God in our church, in our community, and in our nation. How do we get there, Pastor? Well, I have to go to Kentucky, or I have to go to Pensacola. Actually, you don't. What you have to do is do what Jesus said. The road to happiness is blessed are those who mourn. And then the comforter will come. If we want the power of God, it starts with mourning over sin. Is it possible, is it possible that we are not filled with the Holy Spirit every day? We believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But is it possible that we are not walking in the Spirit to the level that God wants us to on a daily basis because we don't mourn over our sin? Let me show you this. What else does the Bible say about this? Isaiah chapter one, verse 18. Uh, this Isaiah the prophet, God is speaking through him. He says, come now let us reason together. And I highlighted the word reason uh, for, for a, uh, on purpose. He says, though your sins are a, sky, a scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Uh, though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He says, let us reason together. He goes, in other words, he's saying, let's come to agreement about something. What is it they were discussing here in Isaiah chapter one? They were discussing sin. God says to us, come now, let us reason together. Let us come to agreement about something. Let us come to agreement about your sin, about how bad sin is, about how we should mourn over sin. Because if we don't understand how bad our sin is, then how many know we're not gonna understand how good God's grace is? And if we don't understand mourning over sin, we're not gonna have joy in our salvation. Robert Morris tells a story about a, a guy in his church who owns a carpet cleaning business. And so he has uh, somebody that he is training uh, to do this business, sends him to a particular customer's house. And uh, so a little bit later, the owner shows up at the house just to check on this person that's being trained. He walks around and he notices uh, that, you know, there's some dirt left in the carpet. So he grabs the person he's training and he said, I put my toes right in front of the dirt and I had him put his toes right in front of mine. And he said to him, he said, look down. What do you see? And the trainee said, that's dirt. To which the owner said, that's good. We can work together. Because there are some people that I've hired that can't see that. But if you can see that, that's good. We can work together. Now, these customers paid for us to get that out. So go back in your truck, 
get your cleaning equipment back out and let's clean that up because they paid for us to do that. So the owner of the company goes out to his own truck. He's doing some paperwork. And while he's doing some paperwork, the Holy Spirit reminds him of some not so nice things that he had said to his wife earlier that day. And he said, the Holy Spirit said to him, what is that? And the guy said, that's sin. And he said that the Holy Spirit said to him, good, we can work together. (laughs) Because not every one of my children can see that. But if you see that, you need to understand, Jesus paid to get that out. Now let's get that out in Jesus' name. Does that make sense? If we're going to be comforted, if we want the comforter to come, if we're going to be happy, the next step is we're going to have to see sin. The problem is we don't want to see it. We want to hide it. We want to brush it under the rug. We just want to scrub that spot a little bit and say, I'm sorry, Jesus. That's not what the Bible says. Blessed are those who mourn. First John chapter one, verse nine says, uh, if we confess our sins, and that word confess means to come into agreement. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, here's the deal. Some, some churches don't like to talk about sin because we're afraid that we're gonna make people feel bad And, you know, it's all about positive, 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 positive. Listen to me. Here's the problem with that. The problem is, is you can't have the oil of gladness without the mourning for sin. And watch this. Number two is because repentance produces joy. Repentance produces joy. A few minutes ago, we had people baptized in water. Was that a sad thing or was that a happy thing? That was pretty happy. Why? We're celebrating new life in Jesus Christ. But the reality is, the reason we immerse people in water instead of just sprinkling water on them is because what we are symbolizing is their death. They go under the water as a symbol of death, which is mourning. Come on. But when we're brought up to new life in Jesus Christ, There is joy. Why? Because it's publicly confessing that my life, my old life is dead, and now through repentance in Jesus Christ, I have life. Water baptism shows that repentance produces joy. Now, what else does the Bible say about this? Let's go to Psalm chapter 32, and this is King David uh, in the book of Psalms talking about his sin. So you say, Pastor, does, does uh, uh, even king sin? Yes, in the Old Testament. You know, he failed. And look at what he says, blessed. By the way, what's another word for blessed? Happy. Happy is he whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. There it is again, blessed. Happy is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. But when I kept silent... 
When I didn't mourn over my sin, my bones grew old, though my groaning all the day long. All right, here we go. Did he do it? Your prayers are powerful. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. He's like, when I didn't confess my sin, when I didn't mourn over my sin, but now I acknowledge my sin. Watch this. To you and my iniquity, I have not hidden. And he said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Are you getting this? And then Psalm chapter 51 is David's confession of sin. And and it's a powerful confession. And he says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Look at this. For I acknowledge my transgressions. I agree with you, my sin. And he goes on and on and on until he gets to verse 12 and he says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Joy comes after repentance. Happiness comes after mourning. Happy are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. If godly sorrow produces repentance, and repentance produces joy, then how do we get godly sorrow? So it's not like you came to church today and you couldn't wait for Pastor Wayne to get up there and make you feel bad about yourself, right? That is not my goal. So let me just give a, a quick timeout. If you come to church today, you're like, oh, here we go again. Condemnation, condemnation, condemnation. That is not what Jesus is saying. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we need to recognize what the word of God says, that godly sorrow produces repentance. And repentance produces joy. And that's a joy that we all want. It's a joy that we all need. Come on, somebody. In 2023, if there's something we need, we need the joy of the Lord. And the road to happiness begins with being poor in spirit. And then the next step is mourning over our sin, and we will be comforted. So how do we get godly sorrow? Here's the last point. Grace produces godly sorrow. Grace produces godly sorrow. Still in the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 12, God says, I will pour on the house of who? Why why is David still even in this story? Because this is hundreds of years after David's sin. And the reason is because David repented. He mourned over his sin. I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. That word supplication means to cry out for mercy. So God says, I'm gonna give you the grace that you need to cry out for mercy, to mourn 
of your sin. And then he goes on to describe what grace is. They will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn, same word, for him as one who mourns for his only son. And grieve for him as one who grieves for a firstborn. Here's, here's what I think that verse is saying. What if we mourned over our sin the, way, the same way that we mourn over someone that dies? I think this verse is saying somebody did die. Jesus died for our sin. The reason that we mourn over our sin is because Jesus died for my sin. How do I come to the place where it's not just condemnation, it's not just being beat over the head? I wanna invite you to the cross. I wanna invite you to sit at the feet of the cross. And I want you to look up at hands that are nailed to a tree and feet that are nailed and a head that's been mutilated by beating and a crown of thorns, gasping for breath. What's he doing there? Why is this happening? Why is he suffering so much? The son of God who was perfect, the son of God who did nothing wrong, God himself, why did he do that? Why did he have to suffer? The truth is, my sin put him there. My pride, my gossip, my immorality, my cheating, my lying, my sin did that. I should have paid for that sin. I should have been the one on that cross. But God in heaven loved me so much, said Wayne, you don't have to pay for your own sin. My son, Jesus, is gonna do it for you. He's gonna take your sin and he's gonna pay the price for it because the wages of sin is death. I love the way the apostle Paul put it in Romans chapter two. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. The goodness of God, the kindness of God is pictured at the cross of Jesus. That goodness of God, the kindness of God leads me to a place of mourning over my sin. The cross is where I see the goodness of God. The cross is where I see the love of God. The cross is where I see the kindness of God. And Paul says, that kindness leads me to mourn over my sin. And that godly sorrow is gonna lead to repentance. And that repentance changing the way I think about this sin is going to lead to joy, happiness the happiness I've been missing.
the happiness I wish I had, the happiness that the world doesn't have right now. And, and he said back in Isaiah, instead of a spirit of heaviness, I'm gonna give you the oil of joy and the way, the road to happiness is through mourning for sin. It's through repentance. So I'm not inviting you to feel bad. I'm not inviting you to feel condemned. I'm inviting you to a cross that invites all of us to acknowledge our sin, to confess our sin, to agree with God about our sin. Not to make excuses for our sin, not to blame other people for my sin, but to do what David said, I acknowledge my sin. And we don't respond with, but Lord, you don't know what they did. But Lord, you didn't, but they did. No, 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 no. Jesus could have done all of those things. But he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. When I look at that, I mourn over my sin. When I look at the cross, I mourn over those things that I've said. Those things I didn't say. That wrong attitude in my spirit. That ugliness in my words. And I come to the cross and I say, Lord, I acknowledge my sin. I don't make excuses for it. I agree with you. This is my sin. I want you to stand with me if you would. We're going to end this service very differently than we normally do. Because I think we all need to repent today. I said, we all need to repent today. Me, you, all of us. We need to repent to the Lord for our sin and acknowledge our sin before Jesus. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to let the Holy Spirit take his finger and begin to touch areas of your life, an attitude, a, a, a thought pattern, a, an issue, whatever it is, and he's going to touch it and your, your, your natural person's not gonna like it, and you're gonna immediately begin to say, but, 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 and I wanna encourage you, don't do that. Just acknowledge your sin, because if the Holy Spirit is bringing it to your attention, it's for a reason. And then let God bring a mourning to that situation. Let God bring a spirit of repentance into that and look at the cross and recognize that that thing put the nail in his hand. That sin that you and I committed is the reason that he died. So I'm gonna open these altars and I'm gonna invite as many of you that are physically able to come and I want us to repent together. I want us, I want us, to, I want us to mourn over, my, over our sin over our shortcomings, over our mistakes, over all of these things that we, that we need to repent of. And I'm gonna ask you to join me 
Some of you are physically not able to come forward and that's okay. And I just want you to make an altar right where you're at and just begin to cry out to the Lord. Spirit of grace and supplication, a crying out for mercy. Come on, would you join me here today? Everybody that's willing, I want, I want us to come and let's just begin to cry out to the Lord, to acknowledge our sin before Jesus. Come and stand, come and kneel, whatever you'd like to do. Let's come before the Lord. And God, Holy Spirit, search us. Search us, Holy Spirit. Search us, mighty God. Come on, just begin to let the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I invite you to search me. Search my heart. Search my attitude. Search my words. I invite you to convict me. Come now, let us reason together. Let us come to agreement about our sin. Come on, just begin to say, Holy Spirit, I invite you to search my heart. Search me, God. Search me, Lord. Search me, Jesus. I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge my sin, God. I acknowledge it. And I confess it. I confess my sin. I agree with you, God. I agree with you, God. My sin cost Jesus his life. My sin cost you everything. You gave your life for this sin. So Holy Spirit, would you bring a sorrow, a godly sorrow to my life? Would you bring a godly sorrow into me today? Help me, Lord. Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me, God. Holy Spirit, I invite you to bring a spirit of mourning as if the same type of mourning over someone who dies. Lord, let that be that same kind of mourning over this sin because you did die. You did die. You did. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Help us, God. Forgive us, Lord. Wash us clean. Purify our hands. Purify our hearts, mighty God. We repent. We repent, Lord. We repent. We're sorry. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive me, Jesus. business with God right where you're at. Come on, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit wash you. Let the Holy Spirit wash over you today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God.
Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. what I want to encourage everybody to do this week. So uh, the reality is we can't just wait for the Sunday message to be about repentance in order for us to repent. The reality is we need to repent every day. We need to confess our sin every single day. One of the one of the funniest stories I've ever heard is uh, David Yonggi Cho. He recently went to heaven, pastor to the largest church in the world. And he, he was really famous for teaching people how to pray the Lord's Prayer, where it says, Father, forgive uh, our debtors as we forgive those. Uh, as, yeah, you know how it goes. <laughs> and in his broken English, he was, he was telling us, he says, I forgive people every day because I hate people every day. <laughs> and how many know if the pastor of the world's largest church hates people every day? I mean, we need to just be real intentional about every day confessing our sin to the Lord because we don't want it attached to our lives. We don't want it to be part of our thought patterns or anything like that. Every day, clean hands and a pure heart. So here's one of the best ways that I've, I've learned how to repent is I read Psalm 51, David's prayer of repentance, right? So here's your assignment. You take this book, this journal, and I want you to read Psalm 51. Try, if you do your best to read it every day this week. And then I want you to make David's words your words. And what you're gonna learn how to do is you're gonna learn how to repent. And here's the good news. That is the road to happiness. That'll put a smile on your face. That'll put joy in your heart and in your spirit. Are you getting this? It doesn't make sense to everybody else. Well, I want to skip this part. Problem is you skip this part, there's no joy there, right? It's kind of like trying to skip a rung of a ladder. You're going to miss, it's going to hurt, right? It's the next step, mourning over sin. How many are glad you came to church today? Amen.
Amen. Thank you so much for being here. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. We love you so much. Go with God. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to the Grace Assembly of God podcast so you're up to date on all sermons. Also, if you want more Grace content, make sure you subscribe to the Deeper Grace podcast, where Pastor Wayne will dive deeper into his most recent message. Have a great week, and God bless.